Strachan and Bell together. There's Cooper breaking through. A chance now. This will be the fourth ball for Aberdeen. And Cooper puts it in with his legs. Well, suddenly it's become a rout. Of course, when things are going wrong against you, you don't get the breaks of the ball. Cooper in with Stewart. He didn't really know where the ball was, but he got the break. And as you say, it's a schoolboy's dream being able to take your time. Knowing that really, all you've got to do is crack it into the back of the net. Welcome to the Here We Go podcast. I'm very pleased to say that this should be a significantly more upbeat affair than our last offering, given the result that we had last night. So uh, joining us as ever to uh, dissect the events of uh, last night and of earlier in the week, we have my namesake, Martin Clunes. How are you getting on? I'm doing really good, Martin. And Richard Hay, how are you? Okay, thanks, Martin. Um, yeah, it might be slightly more upbeat than last time, but I think it's still going to be a bit of a shit sandwich because we can't avoid talking about Kilmarnock. Well, I did ask before we came on air, as it were, whether we had to talk about Kilmarnock, and I was told, yes, we absolutely do have to talk about Kilmarnock. So let's talk about Kilmarnock. Uh, Richard, it was shite, wasn't it? Yes, Martin, it was. Next question. No, um... <laughs> It's almost difficult, and I've tried to look back at that game with a slightly more even keel than the incredible frustration I was feeling at the time at how completely inept we were and completely unable to impose any kind of our will on Kilmarnock. We were smothered by them from minute one to minute 90. And it's really worrying that, frankly, at that point we had played nine games in the league and in four of those games we had been comprehensively outplayed um you know i would contend that st Mirren away hearts away hibs at home and at kilmarnock we were not at the races whatsoever and that includes the game we got a point in obviously at st Mirren. um so it it was both deeply worrying because it wasn't out of the blue it's been part of a bit of a trend um, as to how easy opposition teams can stop us playing. In fact, it's not even that. It's like the, the tendency to go 3-5-2, which obviously worked last season and was a way of shoehorning both Lopez and Miofsky into the team, was actually it is actually hurting this side this season. And we'll come to talk about that probably more so when we discuss the Motherwell game in which we saw that almost European formation, or indeed the formation we played at Ibrox, brought to a sort of more run-of-the-mill domestic game for the first time this season. Um, but it simply didn't work on any level, whatever Barry Robson was trying to do. And afterwards he spoke about the tiredness, but more the emotional tiredness after Thursday. Now, I, I don't think that's without substance. However, it was pretty weak when you consider the gap between the two teams that day, which was massive. Absolutely. Um Martin, uh, the performance, I think, at Rugby Park is probably more depressing than the result. I mean, we don't like losing matches, but as Richard says, this has been quite a, a theme for Aberdeen in their away games so far that it's not just the fact... I mean, Kilmarnock have had a very good season so far, and they, as, as, as we spoke about before, at home they've beaten the likes of Celtic and Rangers, so clearly a formidable and well-organised side, but... You know, lo- losing a game like that wouldn't have been unforeseeable. But once again, it was a situation where, from a performance perspective, we were completely dominated from start to finish. And that has to be a continuing concern, doesn't it? I think it has to be. I mean, we didn't we didn't remotely compete at all. Um, I think it was within it was probably within the last ten minutes we had our first, perhaps only, real attempt on goal, um, and that's. There's no dressing up. It's, it's, that is simply not good enough um, against 
against a team team like Kilmarnock, who, you know, yes, are well organised, all that kind of nonsense. But for us just not to compete at all, to not offer anything, um, you know, at, 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 at both ends of the park, really, um, they, as Richard says, they, they pressed us, they just got, they did the things they got in our faces, they were they were you know, spraying about a ball the ball spraying the ball about really easily, um, getting through us almost at will, um, and you know I don't know the answer but to, to this but I know I think I've seen people suggest that you know it's it's coaching from the manager or it is the tiredness, and I think there's probably a lot of factors really that come into it. I mean, yeah, the mental tiredness, but the mental tiredness can only could only be an excuse for a little part. I mean, that's no excuse for for being just so passive in the game, not not doing anything. I mean, I'm not saying we should have, we should have been in there and you know, snapping into challenges and you know, picking up daft bookings or anything stupid like that. But you got you've got to compete, um, particularly in, in this league where you, you know we've all seen the, the league table. You know, there's there's a group of teams so close together that you know after last night's after last night's result we jumped up. You know a bunch of places so you've got you've got to compete and you've got to you've really got to show up in every game and you can't Aberdeen can't afford to be going into games like last like last Sunday um, and Richard's exactly right you no know, has four times this season where we've really been really been played off the park um, now we'll, we'll obviously come to the Motherwell game because uh, you can you, know, you can maybe you can you you can't say it's a blip because it's happened more than once already this season, and we've only played ten games. Um, so, on, it is an ongoing concern, um, but you have to, I suppose, hope that if the Motherwell performance can be replicated, and we can do that more often, and we can, we've got to try and get rid of rid of the attitude that happened on Sunday. Because if if you turn up at you know some of the you know so-called better teams in the league um, you're going to take an absolute pace then if you if you perform like that i think there's also there's an inherent snobbiness i think we, you know martin's talking now about better teams in the league the better teams in the league this season particularly at home have been st Mirren and been kilmarnock they've not been aberdeen they've not been hearts and they've not been hibs generally speaking um i think kilmarnock as per last season have really struggled away from home and therefore um you know, their, their home performances aren't really being reflected in the league table, but these are really, really difficult games for any side to be winning this season. Um, St Mirren have only lost two games a season. They're against the teams above the table uh, to them. Kilmarnock, as Martin pointed out earlier this season, have beaten both halves of the Old Firm and Hearts at home. Um, so there's, you know, there's no God-given right for us to turn up against these teams and win and we absolutely won't be able to do that if we don't turn up and that was the case on Sunday as I say from minute one and I, I and I you know I, I don't discount the tiredness from Thursday but I think we all knew it was going to be a factor and I think most of us probably said that if we come out of after December the 14th and we're in the mix for third that'll not be a bad position but the thing is there's been so many not just off-colour displays, but terrible performances along the way. It, it really makes you question um, the direction and, indeed, ultimately the manager. Um, and when, you know, obviously the mood music could have got so much bleaker ahead of what was always shaping up to be a really key game on Saturday if we hadn't uh, put in a night and day performance at Motherwell a few days later. Yeah, so given I don't want to talk about the Kilmarnock game any more than we just have to, let's seamlessly uh, transition on to that, shall we? Um, Richard, you've touched upon this already in relation to the the first aspect uh, of the game in in that um, there was a significant change in moving away from the, shall we call it, well, three, four, one, two, three, five, two that we would probably of ordinarily playing either in home games or or, or away to uh, other teams uh, away from home other than uh, the, maybe the likes of a, a ranger celtic or hearts um, and this was the first time that we fell back to the 5-4-1 formation that we've used in some of the bigger matches in the european games and it seemed to be really effective 
Yeah, the concern when you hear a five-four-one is that it's going to be very defensive, but it needn't be, as we, as last night proved. You know, you can play four-three-three, and that can end up being defensive. You can be pushed back into a shape that's more akin to a four-five-one, despite having intentions to start four-three-three. So, the key last night was again about the 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 height, the how far at the pitch the fullbacks got. You know, when we played that formation in Frankfurt. <laughs> clearly it wasn't very frequently that the fullbacks got up the pitch although when they did obviously Devlin is the man who gets the assist for the goal that night um, but for most of the evening it was on defensive GC last night however they spent a large part of their evening playing properly as wing backs getting up and down the line with the emphasis on up particularly for the first 17 minutes and that was absolutely crucial to the way in which we played also I really feel that that 4-5-1 formation gets the best out of Jamie McGrath, who is fast becoming the best signing in the summer. Um, and for someone that, you know, I, and I'm sure I wasn't alone, was sceptical about signing at the time, um, he and Miofsky are dovetailing really well. We spoke, I think we've spoken a few times about how <clears throat> Lopez and Miofsky last season both had really good seasons and both looked really impressive, but maybe weren't quite forming that partnership. I think McGrath and Miofsky are doing that. They're beginning to understand each games, each other's games really well, beginning to create space for one another. I think there's some really promising signs there. And when we play the 3-5-2 with two strikers, McGrath doesn't seem to get the same amount of space. For whatever reason that might be, McGrath seems to get lost more in the midfield battle. But presumably he's not being pushed forward quite as much. So, So I think... Maybe inadvertently we found Jamie McGrath's best position um, and where he can be most effective for this club. And I think we've also got the genesis of a really promising partnership up there as well. I also got to say that Leighton Clarkson coming in last night, that was much more like it from him. I think quite a few people were surprised that Conor Barron dropped out last night. I suspect the manager's thinking there is, is that he can't really afford to play both Barron and Clarkson together. And that Paul Vara is the closest we have in the squad to like an old-fashioned number eight midfielder. Um, I have some sympathy with that outlook. Um, but obviously, in the same fashion that we tried to shoehorn both Lopez and Miofsky into the team last season, you know, I wonder if it might just be worth the risk to really maximise our creativity in the middle of the park and, you know, the centre midfield is not all about creativity. You have to win a battle in there, clearly. You have to keep a shape. But, you know, I, I wonder whether the two of them could play together in that midfield. But it was also, as we've been crying out for all night, a performance where we showed confidence on the ball, showed even a bit of swagger on the ball as well, on what was a beautiful playing surface, a fabulous playing surface, obviously a really slick one because of the rain they've had, really suited the way that we played last night. As I say, night and day from Sunday, you would not believe that that was more or less the same team. I mean, there were two changes, and yes, there was a pretty critical change of shape. But really, could you believe that was a, pretty much the same set of players? It was astonishing. Yeah, it really was. And Martin, in, in terms of that last point about the personnel that are being used, um, two changes from Saturday, but given that we were adopting the same European formation as we'd used the previous Thursday night against Pauk. Um, from that team, only the one change, and it was only that Clarkson for Baron switch. And in we, we, we obviously know that it ended up turning out um, all right on the night in terms of the result, but there were, there were a lot of murmurings on social media, specifically on this aspect of, once again, very few changes were made from... Uh, the team that had played the previous Thursday night and then following on, uh, having had a, a Sunday trip to Ayrshire, followed up with a, a Wednesday trip to, to, to Motherwell. And is it fair to say that those questions are still um, swirling around what what, it, what is the point of this um, supposed squad depth, um, given the fact that we seem to be relying very heavily on the same group of players, particularly given... Um, uh, as, as some people have mentioned, you know, you, you, can, you, you may well want to use excuse of um, these players being overused and being very leggy and use that as an excuse against Kilmarnock, and yet that didn't seem to be a factor at all against Motherwell. 
Um, I, I wonder, I, I was thinking about this, it was after the Kilmarnock game, really, before um, before last night's game. And I, I wondered if it was perhaps that you know, he's, he's trying to play the, the bulk of his best players, and he's making he's not one of, he's making minimal changes, and I'm not sure if if he's maybe thinking that the guy you know because of obviously would you know, there was a draw with St Johnston, the defeat with Pauk, um, the loss to Colmarnock is is he thinking that if we can if we just play, keep playing the, the best players they'll they'll play their way into some form unless they make minimal changes. You no, know, you've seen obviously like, say Clarkson Barron, um, you've seen come out. Um, swapping, Dukes obviously come out, come out um, as well. Um, I, I, I mean, I think perhaps that I think that could be what it is that he's he's trying to. Because if we were winning games, nobody could, would be complaining about the squad. Um, let's, I think, let's get that get that clear. Had we had we won on Sunday and then won last night, nobody would be mentioning it. But we are right. We are right to talk about it because we've got this big. We've got this big squad. Um, you know, there's, you know, the three, the three centre halves that are that are, you know, basically looks like they're going to be starting every game. Um, you know, there's McDonald, there's Milne, there's still the other two, that, you know, we'll see, we'll we'll see if we ever see them. Um, I have my doubts. Um, you know, there's, there's lots of options there. You know, I, I don't know is you know if, if we'll ever if we'll ever see Bissawin kick a ball in anger for Aberdeen again. You know, so there's all these guys. You know. No, not even getting, not even in the in the the pool for a, a match day, but nobody seems to be getting a getting a sniff. And I'm, I mean, I, I think that we've got to be mindful as well that making five or six changes, I don't think is 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 the right thing to do either, because um, I know that I'm I'm I'm, com, I'm kind of complaining that he's no, I've, I have complained. Sorry that he's only made one or two. I'm not advocating advocating making five or six and no wholesale changes because I think. That could go badly as well. So I, I, I personally, I do kind of think that he's ho- he's trying to get these guys to play themselves into some form, um, get some wins. You know, last night hopefully is the beginning of it. I mean, because because the Motherwell game was just as Richard says, night and day. You know, it was it was really good controlled football. Um, you know, you're right. The Richard's right as well to mention the pitch. You know, because we had it on the we had it on the deck, just. Lots, I know, even the short, great short passing, controlled long passing, um, you know, particularly up to Pulvar for the second goal, so he can he can get it and lay it off. Um, I think it makes a lot of difference. Where um, after the game on Sunday, um, Barry Robson said that you know um, he spoke about the pitch, but not the, not the pitch as in the surface. He says about it's a narrow pitch and you can't play th- you can't play through um, Kilmarnock. Well, last night we we did that, you know, and I I think it's more that it makes difference when the players just perhaps think and take care with their passes, and that's what we did last night compared to Sunday, where we seemed to be be on the ball, looking looking for the pass, looking for the man, um, and we it just paid off so much better, and it, it can't just be the surface that. Um, well, no, it's not. It's also about how the opposition. Uh, approach the game as well, and there yeah. was you know considerably deeper press from Motherwell than there was from Kilmarnock, but there was an element of of it being a dry plastic pitch which allows you to press that little bit higher and that little bit quicker because you know that people are going to take a little bit longer to get the ball under control the ball's going to be a bit sticky it's not going to move quite as smoothly you're going to have to take a bit more care over your passes so uh, there's an element of that pitch aiding the way that come on it want to press us and I don't think we've coped terribly well with the press um, equally when we faced a, a low block like St Johnson at Pitotri we didn't cope very well with that either so so um, we're kind of at our best, basically, against teams that are going to come out against us. And Motherwell last night obviously believed that they had an opportunity to hurt us and um, were fairly open, also in a bit of a sort of downward spiral in terms of form. I mean, um, last season, the, towards the tail end of last season, uh, when they made the managerial change, they could barely lose. And the first sort of uh, few games of the season seemed to continue in that vein. But they've kind of come off that in the last few weeks. And I suppose their confidence was a little bit low. And it's probably one of those games that 
and I say this because it does matter in this league that the first goal was probably quite important. But that first half, we were, we were dominant. We maybe didn't have quite as many shots at goal as you might want or create too many clear-cut chances. But really, it was so controlled and they didn't have a sniff in that first 45. That's as well as we've played domestically for a long time, actually. Yeah, and looking at that first 45 and particularly the goals that came from that, uh, uh, I'll maybe come to Martin in this because, uh, Richard, you'd already spoke about how, how good a performance uh, Jamie McGrath had and um, obviously that first goal, um, uh, uh, an example of um, it really benefiting where, where where he's playing within that 5-4-1 system and um, getting himself or being able to get himself forward into positions to take advantage of good crosses and um, just a very simple goal where you're redirecting a, a, a header into the back of the net. But the 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 the, the other um, factor in relation to both goals was a, a really good performance in Nicky Devlin, a quality cross from the right in order to set up that first goal. And then, um, again, maybe showing that willingness when Aberdeen have been playing well to, to get bodies forward and put himself in a position to take advantage when uh, Miofsky was, uh, lost the ball out of uh, possession, but he was in the right place to capitalise. Yeah, and I mean, Devlin, Devlin's a guy who, you know, when, we, when he was announced that he was coming to Aberdeen, I think most of us kind of just went, oh, and kind of, right, okay, and it wasn't really too sure. But He's proved that he's actually, you know, for the for the level of the league for this team, he is a he's a really good really good signing. It's been a really good acquisition, um, and you know, he's getting you know getting forward. Um, he's he's done some really good stuff work for us. So obviously, there's the goal against um, Frankfurt last night. I thought he was excellent again last night as well, um, and you could see just I mean. Guy, you no know, fullbacks who will get up the pitch. That's kind of what we want to see, obviously, particularly in that formation that we play, um, or he's playing now, whether with the with the five, three, five, two, five, four, one, whatever you would call it, you know. But it's lot, the position he's in, you know, um, against a team like Motherwell, who, as Richard says, you know, are going to are going to aren't going to be pressing as much, you know, giving you space to get up the pitch. And I thought he was excellent, and he's been a he's been a really good really good signing for us, and he that's the kind of guy who. You know, Aberdeen probably should be should be aiming to take. You no, know, if we're if we're going to sign guys domestically, is try and get you know the best players from from your Livingstons, from your Ross Counties, from this. You no know, guys who because who we can probably imp- who will improve in an Aberdeen team. And yes, we've not been great this season, but um, from from what we've seen of him so far, I've been I'm I'm so impressed. Um, and you know, that position's his now. You know, I mean, I don't think. We've seen anybody not anybody knocking him out, so he's probably going to be pretty much ever present. He's been excellent. I mean, let's say setting up setting up the the um, setting up the first one, um, and I'm delighted he got delighted he managed to get himself a goal as well, um, topping off what was a really good performance. And you know, had it not been for had it not been for McGrath, he would have probably been man of the match for us. Yeah, and then coming back to Jamie McGrath, I I, I will bring. Richard back in for this one for the, for the third goal I, again just I for, for me that was the best goal of the 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 evening for Aberdeen um not only for uh McGrath's willingness to um press on and, and take advantage of um uh, a ball that spilled in the box I think most of the Motherwell defense had effectively stopped and, and and were maybe accused of ball watching but it showed a real drive and commitment by McGrath to get himself into the box he 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 rode a, a challenge slash stumble in order to get himself back in the feet and put the goal in. Um, but I was also really, imp- really impressed once again with uh, Miofsky's contribution because it's really, I thought it was really unfortunate from, from his perspective that he, that on the, on the stats sheet, he won't have an assist, but he's kind of been responsible there in that game for two um, assists, assists by default, getting, you know, him, him driving and attacking at the defenders. And although, you know, he's ended up being, uh, caught in possession, it's 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 the fact that he's been driving, trying to create those opportunities, have eventually led to to the, the chances for um, first of all Nicky Devlin, then for for McGrath to score. 
Yeah, as a lone striker, he played that role very well last night, but it was the type of, he was getting the type of service as a lone striker that suits his game. Whereas there have been games this season where as part of a two, he's had to chase balls into the corner or try and compete for high balls, which have been no use really for for his skill set. So the way we played absolutely suited how he plays the game, and he's, we're certainly seeing more asset, uh, more aspects of that game this season than we perhaps saw last season. And it's been really encouraging to watch him develop. Um, as you say, kind of two half assists. I, I thought it was a maybe a, a slight theatrical element to both times when he was challenged by the Motherwell defender. Um, fortunately, the Aberdeen players were the ones who reacted first. And certainly when it comes to our third goal last night, <laughs> the Motherwell players all seem to stop and hope someone else is going to deal with it. And the one person not stopping is Jamie McGrath. He does really well. And on on the point of uh, Miofsky's, um theatricality in going down, it was something that I expressed a bit of concern with um, last week that I thought the antics from the likes of Miofsky and other players maybe put a seed in the, the back of the, the referee's mind when it came to him not wanting to give a penalty for Jack McKenzie. Would would you prefer that's the kind of thing? I mean, again, if you're if you're if you're being tackled out of possession and um and and it is a foul, then I think most players, professional players, will want to try and um make a referee as aware of that as possible. But I do find it a bit frustrating sometimes that it, it is sometimes a bit overly theatrical, and I think sometimes to the team's detriment. You can't win, though, can you? You had people last week saying that Jack McKenzie should have been more theatrical about the way he went down. But, I mean, I, I thought it was probably why it wasn't given, that because it, it did look like a, you know, on certain angles, certainly it looked like a dive. Um, you really, there was no right way of doing this. The right, I mean, there was a sort of morally right way of doing it, obviously, but that doesn't always equate to more wins and more goals for your football team. So um, I don't know what we what we really want players to do these days. I, I'd love it to be a game where, you know, every single dive was being correctly identified and um, players just got on with it and tried to stay on their feet. But I mean, that's long, long, long gone, if indeed it ever existed. Going on to the final Aberdeen goal of the evening, Martin, and a fairly basic, straightforward one. Uh, a corner that came in from Ryan Duncan. Um, Duke is basically unchallenged in the six-yard line, but fair play to him. He's in the right place and he powers away his header to um, really... Well, I mean, I think the result would probably be on doubt even before then. Um, it's... I got the impression, though, that he still he doesn't necessarily look like the happy-go-lucky, free-flowing character that we maybe saw at the tail end of the, the previous season. And if it is going to be the case that we're going to be persevering with uh, a 5-4-1 formation in some of our more significant fixtures um, going through the season, particularly if Jamie McGrath is going to be used in the way that he that he has in the previous game, do you, do you think there's maybe an element of frustration now in in Duke and maybe seeing that um, his uh, game time or opportunities might start getting more limited? Well, every single one of the guys that was on the bench, I hope are frustrated that they're not, they're not playing to be honest. Um, but he is going to be, he is going to be annoyed because uh, he, he, he scored, you know, he scored so many goals last season. He obviously will want to play and he'll want to contribute, but he's been out of form um, on top of, the fact that you know he's there's really not a in that formation there's not a place for him to be starting if we're going to be going with going that way so yeah I mean you you, you know you tell he sort of you know, this he wasn't I mean it was the it was the fourth goal and you know in the game so I don't think it was you know he would be doing sort of crazy celebrations or anything like that but you know he didn't he didn't look like he was he was sort of like crazy happy overjoyed did he um, but. Like listen, he came on. You know, what five minutes after he came on, he gets up up like a salmon to to get over to get over Liam Kelly, who you know that's a keeper with a Scotland cap. Jesus, um, he he was not he will. I mean, we'll come on to keepers in a minute, I'm sure. But um, yeah, Liam Kelly was not wasn't a very good, wasn't very good. But like um, Duke's, he's been out of the team. Um, he was out of the team. I think deservedly. You know, he wasn't. He, he's 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 
missed some games because he's he's not it's not been great. Um, it's not you know it's not just to, to surprise of anyone that he's that he's not going to be not going to be starting some games because it just he just hasn't been good enough. Um, I think you know we've all everybody called has been calling for a while that in some of the games where he's struggling he probably should have came off earlier. That's not happened, um, and so I think you know if you know. You can all you can do is if you're going to be a sub, all you can do is come on and contribute in a big way. You know, if you're if you play up the top end of the pitch, that's with goals. Um, if you play in any other part of the pitch, you know, it's by you no know, not by stopping goals or getting assists. But you've just got you've just got to come on and take your opportunities. And I mean, he did it last night for the 20 minutes he was on the pitch. Um, you know, if he does get more chances, he just has to keep doing it. I'll, I'll stick with you, Martin, because you mentioned that we may well be coming on to um, uh, poor goalkeeping incidents. And obviously, the, the, the while I think we would have all loved us to uh, see out the game with a clean sheet, it wasn't to be. And um, I think it's fair to say that for their first goal, um, it's a Theo Bear shot, which I don't, I don't know if it's a, a, he's mishit it or if there might have been a mild deflection, but... Um, Kel Roos shouldn't get shouldn't be getting beat at his near post from there, should he? Um, I remember. I think I remember when we lost a game really badly. This is years when we know probably in the in the in the infancy of doing this podcast, and we managed to have David Priest on. Um, and it was it was after losing a game at Motherwell, and um, and we hit him with the keeper shouldn't be getting beaten at his near post kind of chat. <laughs> um, and he made a and he made a very. He made a very good, good, good plea. Why it's you no know, sometimes acceptable to be beaten at your near post, um, but uh, as as minor of the, uh, there is a minor deflection. I think now you know, I'll, I'll, I'll give. I'll, no, I have to think. We'll have to say that. But um, you know, people have been trying to come up with excuses uh, excuses for it because I don't want to don't want to don't want to slate Kel Roos too much. But you know, you know, there's a minor deflection and it does take a bounce in front of him, but. He should be he should be catching that every single day of the week. Um, though that's does that's it give you does it give you any concern, Martin? I mean, he was one of the standout players for the team last season. Ended up making the uh, Scottish Players Team of the season towards um, the tail end of last season. I would have to say, Martin. I thought when he came back into the side after his injury, his performances were much better. But I thought there was a shakiness about him the first six months as well last season. Do, do, do you think he is realistically under pressure? I mean, I, I get the feeling that he will remain our first-choice goalkeeper going forward. Um, we, we brought in Ross Duhan uh, over in a close season, but it, there doesn't seem to be any inclination that there's any kind of... Uh, I think they'd uh, have to be a, a you know a, a succession of ricks and mistakes for Ross Duhan to be considered as a number one. Um and it's a little bit short-sighted because it's been quite clear for a while that Calarus is not intending to stay here beyond the summer. Um, and I've got news for you kids, neither is uh, Connor Barron. But, um, you know, we we all hope for a really competitive number two. And, you know, I'm not convinced we've currently got that right now with Ross doing. I think he is a guy who's um, obviously got the Scottish training background to help with squad sizes and so on. But... Um, I think we'd be we would be weaker with Ross doing in goals than with Calarus generally speaking, but um, yeah, there's definitely been a shakiness about him this season, and I I think that's partly because you've got a whole new defensive unit in front of you, and you know we've talked about that before with Joe Lewis when there were significant changes to that back line, and I think we have to acknowledge that with regards to Calarus, and I think that again will take time to grow that bond and to strengthen that bond. Um, but it's been mutually unsettling, I think, between the defence and the goalkeeper thus far this season. Richard, I, I specifically wanted to hold back on your contribution for the, the second Motherwell game so that we could uh, re-engage in our uh, debate over the relative merits of Slobodan Rubicic in the centre of defence. <laughs> I, I, I think it's it, it would be exceptionally unfair to say that he is culpable in relation to the second game, but one one of the one of the main attributes that he is bringing to that position is his uh, aerial ability, um, and 
Um, it's a it's a poor defensive header that leads to the opportunity. Yeah, he, th- for he thinks he can get it him. away. He's he's underneath it, and we don't have anyone properly marking the Motherwell player at the back post, which is another failing, which obviously goes unnoticed. But yeah, it's a it's a decision he makes to try and get ahead on that ball, which um, which was the wrong one because it was too high, or he couldn't get enough uh, jump or reach in the game and into the ninety-second minute or whatever it was. Um, on the back of uh, a run of games where he's he's played pretty much every minute over the past few weeks, so um, I don't know if we can blame mental tiredness or indeed tiredness in the legs for not being able able to get up high enough there. But it was a mistake, it was an error. But you know, I'm not calling it a sort of category one mistake. It was just a, it was just a misjudgment. And and maybe the same thing with. Calrus as well. I, I don't think it seems that he's genuinely going to be under threat in relation to his place in the first team going forward. Um, we, we we did consider um, previously whether um, there would be a, a, a place for Angus McDonald or, or maybe even a Reese Williams going forward. But 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 I think it is clear that um, Rubicic has been identified by Robson has his man going forward, and he will he will again get the opportunity to either solidify himself yeah. in that team or, or or it would take I think a numerous number of ricks before we went back on that as well yeah short of getting Matty Pollock back in January yeah and I've got news for you kids <laughs> 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 that isn't going to happen either um, so at least uh, again maybe a bit of a gloss taken off of the, the, the final result but over the piece again the performance compared to Sunday night and day um, even if it hadn't come with the number of goals, I think everybody would have been a lot more satisfied with the way that the team performed. And I know I'm not. I'm not going to go directly into. Um, uh, listeners may well have noticed on uh, social media earlier today, um, we had uh, given a heads up to the fact that we were podcasting tonight and asked for questions in relation to that. With with the Hibs semi final. Uh, looming in the not too distant future, I think the the main theme uh, amongst the, the the questions that have been put forward is do 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 we see the five four one now being the settled formation for this type of game going forward? I mean, I I would be very surprised, Martin, if we were going to be doing anything contrary to that again for for the cup semi final. No, I'd be surprised as well. I think you know, I think we you you stick with it. It's you know. <sighs> This is the thing where you, where you say when you say to somebody, oh, Aberdeen play five four one. Yeah, no, the, the negative connotation with that is that oh, it's super negative. Oh my god, what we doing sitting back? But it doesn't it doesn't no. As we've seen, it doesn't have to be like that. Um, and if that's how you know Barry's decided that he can get the best out of, the best out of these players, then you just you've just got to stick with that. Um, I think. There's still, like like we spoke about earlier, there is still questions over, you know, can can Barron or Clarkson play together? Who do you go for in the midfield? You know, what, you know when does Polvara come in or go out? Um, what happens with Duke? But it seems to be that you no, know, this the the five four one suits how suits how he wants to play. Um, certainly, if we if we can play the play that formation, and have Mayowski in, involved in the game the way he was was last night as well. Then it uh, in the in the short term anyway, it certainly looks like the best option, and I'd be I'd be happy if he sticks with it. I think as well, and this is complicated. This is obviously complicated by the fact that Hibs have changed managers since then. But you know we've got very recent evidence that uh, Robson's sort of initially favoured formation hasn't made any impression whatsoever against that Hibs team. Um, certainly under the system they were employing um, under their previous manager, Lee Johnson. And I suppose it's hard to say whether that was a Johnson tactic because it was a caretaker manager. Um, yeah, was I was going to ask that, Richard, because obviously uh, my, my question was going to be, can we, we, we obviously um, faced Hibs earlier in the season when they were just post-Lee Johnson, but pre and Nick Montgomery, and they had an awful lot of success against us playing with three up front and, and especially playing uh, Yuan and, and, and Boyle in wider positions and gave us trouble. But that's that's not really the way that 
Montgomery's Hibs have played, they've been in a very traditional 4-4-2. So is there, is there anything we could have really taken from that last match against Hibs going into the semi-final? Or, or, or is it just a case of we're just going to have to play them on the merits of what we're going what, what to likely see this time around? Yeah, and I, th- I think form and confidence are going to play a big part. And that's another reason why the victory last night was absolutely key. Allied to Hibs blowing a two-goal lead on Tuesday night, which won't have done them any good. Um, and again, as I said earlier, in this league, it's it's quite often the first goal that is absolutely key. You know, if we'd scored first, I think, if I recall correctly, those two Hibs goals that won them the game earlier this season, uh, the first of which came quite late in the game. I, again, I, I believe if we, if we score first, we'll be looking very good. Um, of course, our record when conceding first recently has been absolutely abysmal, so it doesn't really bear thinking about what will happen if we do concede first. Yeah, Martin, if we concede first at Hamden, I think we could probably all uh, just uh, start trooping out from the stadium and, and heading back up the road, given how dismal uh, the, the the record has been of uh, not being able to salvage any results whatsoever from a losing position. But if we're if we're being realistic, we are playing. We, we we at least have the benefit now of having played last night and gotten that really positive result. So you'd like to think we're going into that game with at least a. Um, a bit of an uptick in confidence. Um, Hibs, by comparison, haven't won a game since actually the the quarterfinal victory they had against St Mirren, which was back in September. Um, there's there's no beating around the bush. In, in spite in spite of um, what has been a, a a recent poor run of forms against against Hibs, in 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 terms of how the two teams are faring going into this match, we will undoubtedly go in as the favourites. Um, it, and it will either be um, a, a wonderful boon on top of uh, yesterday evening's result to then secure a cup final. If we don't, though, then we're right back into that kind of uh, roller coaster we've had um, on the merits of Barry Robson as a long-term manager. Unfortunately, unfortunately, yeah. Um, I mean, no, it's you know, it, it, while we are on no, a slightly better. Um, well, a much better run of form than them in the league. Um, I think they've, I don't, yeah, I say I think they've, I think they've got what four draws out of their last five or something, and a, a defeat. So I mean, they're, you know, they're, they're not, they've not been great. And I think it's it's, it's six versus seven, so it's a proper, at the moment, a proper mid-table, <laughs> mid-table semi-final. Um, but yeah, you hope that the confidence will come come from the result last night. Um, you know Aberdeen being, I would say Aberdeen are our favourites um, for the game, ever so slightly favourites, you know. Um, but you know, daft cliche time, but you know, in a sem- in a trip to Hamden, I don't know if I don't know if that really means anything. Um, but we just have to just have to try and continue, you know, the, continue the way we did. And um, if we can replicate that that first half from last night, we can replicate that. Then we'll be no. I don't think we'll have any problem getting by them at all, but that has to be you no. Know, that some has to be done. It'll uh, be it's too easy, nervous it's easy for teams. me to say that. You know, it all will be. It's easy for me to say just, I'll oh, just do what you did last night, and it'll be easy for Barry Robson to say that. I'll oh, just do what you did, do what you did for that forty-five minutes. But it's two teams that are. You know, I think that if you know, if I, whichever team loses on Monday night, it's going to be our Hibs in crisis or our Aberdeen in crisis, and you know. Kenny McIntyre will be trying to get Dave Cormack's phone number again. Yeah, and that's, I suppose, unfortunately, the the kind of world we live in now yeah. as football fans. I mean, Montgomery was only appointed, what, 10 games ago or something. And yes, because it'll be two nervous teams because it's it's a huge opportunity for both of these teams in a game which they will both feel that they can win. Um, and the prizes are in a final to... Um, either play Hearts or to play a, a side who we're not really sure about yet under, again, a, a new manager there. So um, there's a huge opportunity awaiting the team that shows least nervousness on the day, I suppose. And I really hope, you know, wishless time here, of course, but that we actually go out and grab this opportunity, that the players embrace the challenge that, they've, uh, that they're going to face on Saturday night and actually show some of that swagger we saw on Wednesday night and actually deploy that on a major stage because 
we have let down, and I think in particular the home European games are examples of this, we have let down ourselves in front of expectant supports thus far this season and it's been disappointing and I don't think that a team can ever really achieve anything unless it gets over that hurdle and I think a game like Saturday against an opponent who will probably have a similar kind of fear of defeat is as good as opportunity as any that we're going to be able to get over that particular mental hurdle. Yeah, so it will be um, exciting times ahead of us as we see uh, what the the future holds with us. And it, it really does feel like a result which one way or another is going to shape how the support have viewed the start of the season so far. I think if you look in the league position, having scrambled ourselves back into top six, um, I wouldn't go as far as to say 12 points at this point is acceptable. Um but I think we would bear with that given the context of having been playing regularly in Europe. And, and again, if it was hand in hand with securing a place at Hamden in December for the League Cup final, I think over the piece we would take that. Um, if we if we don't seize on that opportunity and get into the Cup final, I think we may well be looking at that in a, in a very different light. Um, uh, going to the the questions that have been posed to us in social media, then I've I've had a quick scan through, and as I say, some of the questions relate to subjects that we've hit upon already. But uh, maybe picking up one of these as a as a starter, and I'll I'll maybe throw this to you, Martin. But again, Richard, if you want to chip on this as well, Grant Heath saying, out of all the summer signings, who's been the biggest disappointment? And who has been the biggest positive or surprise? I'll I'll let uh, Martin if you wanted to have a stab at the disappointment, and then maybe Richard if you want to see who's been a positive surprise, or vice versa. Uh, well, I think dis- in terms of disappointment, um, I know I know, he, I know he's only on loan, but I was ex- I know and but I was expecting Reece, thing, big things from Reese Williams. Um, you know he's he's played he's played in the Premier League for Liverpool. He's no been told that he's you not know, a very a very capable player. He's you know, meant to be a good player. To not have seen any of him at all, I know he's had injuries. Um, I think you have to say that's a disappointment. That you, know, you bring up, you know, why are we bringing a guy up here who's got an injury, and then the fact that he now isn't able to, isn't able to shake it off. It seems um, is really is really disappointing. I know, I know he's only on loan. Do you think he's injured? I th- well, I think he was injured. Um, now, um, now I think there's. Uh, I don't want to go all conspiracy, go all conspiracy theory here, but I, th- I think that you know, there's. Is there is there a part of him maybe that he came up here, um, just to try and get him into some sort of fitness and match shape, and that was part of the reason why they were so willing to let us have Clarkson. I don't. I don't know. I don't know that that. But it was it was a thought that I, that I'd, I'd read and I had I'd had as well. That why is he here? Because he's contributing nothing. Are you uh, are you taking other people's bad opinions now to, no, to no, supplement I, your own? No, <laughs> I, I just I I don't I I'd read that and I would we I discussed it with a couple of people as well. I was like, why you know, we're we're throwing about ideas of why he's why is he here? What is he bringing? Listen, to the club? I mean, Leighton Clarkson, Clarkson was allowed to leave Liverpool because they didn't believe that he would mature into the sort of player. And we, yeah. frankly, when we talk about biggest disappointments, for me. With the expectation and the hope that came with Clarkson's signing, I, I don't think we've really had a return from him. I, I well, Obviously, we don't know how much we actually outlaid um, in the summer for him. I'm led to believe it wasn't quite as much as some people think. Um, but it's still the fact that we were so hyped when we managed to get hold of him permanently that... It's been slightly underwhelming so far. That's not to say that I don't think he can still make a huge contribution in the rest of his contract here, or even go on this season and have a really successful first season as a whole. And, you know, who knows what might lie ahead for him if he minds us to do that. It might be that his time with us here is actually quite short. But, yeah, I, I'm for me, I'm tempted to go with that. Because for a lot of the other guys... 
who who've come in this summer. We had no idea about them. You know, your your guys, your socklers, um, your or daddies. We had we really had no idea about how good, bad, or otherwise these players would be. And it seems that neither did Barry Robson, quite frankly, given the amount of uh, game time that he's given them. So, yeah, for me, I'm tempted to go Clarkson on that one. Um, with regards to biggest surprise, I think I've already spoken about um, McGrath earlier in the evening. Um, I I think we knew that he had done well at St Mirren, obviously, um, but last season at Dundee United, he was part of a team that significantly underperformed, and it seemed all he was good for, and um, he scored a few of them right enough, but all he was good for was scoring penalty kicks. Now, uh, I have been really impressed with his smartness as a footballer. Um, I think it's maybe falling into a type of player I, I kind of really actually enjoy watching. I think he's... Um, I was tempted at the end of last season to consider maybe giving Marley Watkins another year as a squad option. I think what we've got in McGrath is an upgrade on exactly the type of player Watkins was. Moving on then, um, and again, this is maybe coming full circle in relation to our pod this evening, but Stephen Menmuir is asking, what do we think our best midfield combination is? Um, and again, maybe touching upon what you'd mentioned earlier, Richard, and that kind of, it probably goes hand in hand with that Clarkson-Barron discussion. Are, are we resigning ourselves to the position that they are effectively playing for the same position and will be rotating one or the other out of that or is there a future that would see both Bannon and Clarkson playing together and if so who would who would be the casualty in relation to that um I spoke about earlier about Paul Vara as a number eight and I think look at the goals he scored the two goals he scored in Europe they're both great number eight goals um, one arriving late in the box for a cutback and the other one driving from midfield to get ahead of a striker. They're really great number eight goals. So, you know, if it's possible, and he is still a young player and he is still learning how to compete and uh, contest at this level, I, you know, I think last night would be one of his few starts domestically in in an Aberdeen shirt. Um, so maybe... We have been too quick to write him off as not having the, the required standard because, you know, as a number eight and tactically, I think, into the way in which that 4-5-1 is going to function, I think there's merit in Polvara playing as things stand because you do need those kind of different type of positions. You need a shinny type to go and win the ball. You need somebody that's going to break up and support the attack when need be. And you need somebody who's going to be able to unlock defences, are going to be able to sit deep and, and spray passes. Um, so as much as I said earlier that, you know, should we try Clarkson and um, Clarkson and Barron together? And I would like to see it just to, to confirm whether or not it, it could work or, or won't work. But... We're obviously still suffering as well from losing Ramadani right before the end of a transfer window and not replacing him. I would be surprised if there wasn't a move in the January window to try and resolve that. Martin, do you have your own thoughts on your preferred midfield setup? I mean, I, I think you know, as much as we would like to see it, and you know, Richard just touched on it there, and I, would, no, I don't think that I don't think that we will. See Clarkson and, and Barron together. Um, Shiri is the captain. He's always going to play. Um, I have to admit that you know this some of the snark about Polvara that came from myself. I think I've been, I think I know. I'm willing to say I was wrong. You know, there's you know as no I I I quite dismissively wrote off uh, the quality of the best football player in American college soccer. Um, and I know, but I'm, I'm willing to admit I'm wrong. You know that's that shows how what a big a man I am. Um, honest, um, but I mean, I, th- I think that it's going to be Shinny, um, and you know, Shinny is going to be one of one of in the centre of pitch. It's going to be one of Clarkson and Barron. Um, you know, as Richard mentioned earlier on, I don't think any I know any of us believe that Barron's going to be sticking around long term. Um, you know, I would, I would, I would imagine, I would suggest there's probably going to be some offers. Um, he's he's got he's but he'll have offers on the table from other clubs already. I'm, I don't doubt that. Um, and I would imagine that would probably be, um, unless the club really want to hold on to him, I imagine it would be waving farewell to him in in, in the January window. 
um, which means that Clarkson's going to be the going to be the guy. Uh, so we know we've only got a couple of months before we'll find out if that is the the, the that actually does come to pass. Um, but no, I I I like I like Clarkson and I like you know Polvara. I like them. I just um, I'd be interested to see what it is, but. Um, at the moment, it does seem to be rotating, and I'm, I'm, I'm and I'm happy to see that because they're, they're you no know, barring Clarkson, bar they're all talented players. It's just a case of trying, you know, it's up to thankfully it's up to Barry Robson to try and fit them into the team and not me, um, because I'd be playing two, five, three or something. <laughs> <laughs> Superb. Um, I think I'll just put in one more of the questions, and again, I'll open it up to 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 both of you for um, your thoughts on that. Um, Sterling Red asks, if one win is enough for Barry to be the Messiah again, how many defeats before we are allowed to be critical? And, and I think, again, comes back to that aspect of um, h- how should we be looking at the, the job that Barry Robson has done so far and how, how much uh, of, a, of a leash should he be allowed to have? I, I, I get the feeling that, again, it's, 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 it's absolutely right. We get an awful... And, we, and we've had a lot of that so far this season, a really awful performance where you really wonder whether he has the long-term chops for the job at Aberdeen. And then a performance like you saw yesterday against Motherwell or some of the European matches where you think, wow, you know, we really are seeing signs of improvement of, uh, you know, gaining knowledge and applying that. And I, I, I just kind of feel that we've been through the merry-go-round a couple of times now with Glass and, and Jim Goodwin. And I, and I do wonder that for regardless of what people's opinions may be in that, it might not be. And again, unless we, we, we do find ourselves in an utterly dire situation and we're having to dig ourselves out of a relegation battle or something like that. But 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 aside from that, I do wonder whether we, we, we've come to the point where we do just give the manager... A, a, an actual season or two to actually allow that to play out and see how he is. As I said earlier, Martin, I think there have been a number of performances this season in the league which have been completely unacceptable, completely beyond appeal. Not just defeats, and I do think it's wrong. You know, if we were if we'd gone down one 0 at Kilmarnock last week in an even game where we competed and created stuff and just hadn't got the break of the ball people would still have gone mental and I think that would be wrong. I think that would be disrespectful to Kilmarnock and disrespectful to, you know, the quality within the league and the fact that each team offers a different challenge. However, criticism was fully deserved last week, just like it was fully deserved after St Mirren, it was fully deserved after Hibs, it was fully deserved after Hearts. Some criticism was deserved after Livingston in the opening day, which wasn't a very good performance either. Um... For a lot of the season, that win at Ibrox has done a lot of the heavy lifting in terms of um, arguments to support by Robson. I think last night is a is another significant step forward. Um, the European displays you mentioned, I, I think there's been fits and starts there. I mean, the comeback in Gothenburg was really encouraging, but ultimately really futile. And we spent a lot of that first 45 minutes seemingly being unable to pass a bottle on each other while um, Hecken were knocking it about at will and looking really fluid and confident. And it was quite a disconnect with the money that we've spent on our team. So I don't think you can really use the European performances as that much of a fig leaf. There have been spells, moments where we've looked impressive, but domestically there's justification for some of the anger. But I still think... Overall, if we're in contention for third by the end of this spell, I think that's broadly acceptable as an overall picture. Now, that might be because no one team is really stretched away in the way that, <clears throat> for example, Hearts did a couple of seasons ago or Hibs did. But St Mirren are going to be tough to claw back. They've got a consistency in the league that so far that we have not shown and we'll need that back, whether that's going to be, whether we're able to mount that whilst we have the European games also going on, I'm not so sure. I think if we're going to be able to string the sort of wins and results together like we managed at the tail end of last season, it will also come after December. 
long and short of it is that I think it's just modern football these days, unfortunately, that we have these sort of bipolar reactions to these uh, to each result. If we lose on Saturday, the knives will absolutely be out again. But if you win, you're in a final, you're beginning to look at things a bit more optimistically, you're beginning to look at the whole campaign in a little bit of a better light. Uh, and then, of course, if we lose that final, again, knives out, everyone's miserable, everyone's upset. My advice, which is really odd advice, given that we have been doing a podcast for eight years, is to not take it quite so seriously. I remember the days when the football would be mentioned in the paper on the Friday before a game. You'd go to the game on the Saturday, you'd read the green final in the evening, you'd read the reports in the papers on the Sunday and Monday, and that would be it. You wouldn't spend every waking minute of the week worrying about what the Dons were doing or fretting about signings or this, that and the next thing. It's this really concentrated news cycle which I think leads to a lot of this. Um, I don't think any of the changes that we've made managerially in the last couple of years could be considered as overly quick or overly harsh. Certainly Goodwin, for example, lasted seven days longer than he absolutely should have done, without question, or five days longer, rather. And um, Stephen Glass was uh, a noble experiment, which you could have perhaps... uh, the chairman perhaps could have stayed behind behind him longer, and I'm quite surprised that the chairman didn't. But he'd certainly lost the fan base after that performance at Motherwell that day. I suspect that there will be a deep reluctance at boardroom level to, to change manager again so quickly, um, especially if things are not, in the eyes of the board, catastrophic. But there have been way too many performance levels this season which are which have dropped off and were completely unacceptable. And um, whilst you can throw all the excuses out there about big turnover players in the summer, European games, emotionally tired, whatever, there has to be a minimum standard for operating at this football team. And some of these displays have been nowhere near that. Yeah, I think, I think Richard, you, you, Richard, you pretty much covered that. I mean, look, the Aberdeen job, um, as I think we d- we discovered with Stephen Glass, isn't the sort of job that you can you can serve your apprenticeship doing. Um, and you know, as you I mean, you you can't describe it any better as done bit better than you did, Richard. Richard as a noble experiment. I mean, like the question is that you know, if one win is enough for Barry to be the Messiah again. I mean, I don't think any of us are saying he's the Messiah. And um, there are still questions that need to be asked. But the board, the board, the board have appointed him, and I think. They will, and they kind of have to have to you know, stick with them, um, and you no, know, unless, as you say, Martin, that it goes drastically, drastically badly. Um, we don't want to be Aberdeen doesn't want to become one of these clubs like, like Dundee United or Hearts, where we're just hiring and firing managers at the drop of a hat, because you know the performances are the performances are bad, so we just get rid of somebody and get someone else in, you know, without without really thinking about it or having a dare I say, process. Um, so I think that though, there is questions that need to be asked about Barry Robson. I think that you know, he obviously has a lot to learn. And as you, as Richard points, the, the min- there has to be a minimum standard of what is right. You know, we can't be seeing too many perform- more performances, or not, not, not too many, we can't be seeing any more performances like we have um, in some of the games this season where we really have just not competed at all. Um, so, you know, the, the the second part of that question is, of course, is how many defeats are before enemies let be critical. Any of us can be critical. That's the thing is, you know, you know if you, we all we support the team, you pay your money to go along. You're entitled to be you're entitled to be critical, but we are supporters of the team. Um, so, I think, you know, Barrowops will be fine, um, and he'll. I mean, as far as I'm concerned, he'll he'll definitely. At the very least, he'll be seeing out the season at Aberdeen anyway. You know, if he wins a trophy, he's probably, you know, he's he's he's, he's going to be, you know, it'll, he'll be a hero. But it's about being that. proportionate, I think, as well. It's about you know, if you're someone that's, 
you know, unhappy with Barry Robson. I think when we go to Motherwell and perform as well as we did, or we go to Ibrox and secure a win, which we, you know, we haven't done very often in the recent history of this football club, there has to be appropriate credit given. You can't just yeah. write it off as a fluke or luck or whatever. Equally, if you're someone that really supports what the manager is trying to do with the sort of performance levels we've seen this season, you have to acknowledge that some of those have been completely unacceptable. So it's about both sides of the argument. I think acknowledging um, that that there are limits to their argument, I suppose, and that he's he's not the messiah, he's just a very naughty boy. Well, I think is, on is, that is note that, we should that things is up. That, sorry, sorry, Richard, is that a hint towards his slightly sarcastic and cheeky post-match interview last night? <laughs> anyway, I will leave us on that thought. Um, maybe that will inspire some of you to get some Monty Python watching in between now and Saturday, but for uh, the thousands of dandies who are going to be making the trip to Hamden on Saturday, we will wish you very safe journey. Uh, hopefully the reported bad weather will not materialise and people will be able to get down to Glasgow safely enough and, and, and as importantly, get out of that place um, as quickly as possible. Uh, we'll all be hoping for uh, a good result and as is, we were saying hopefully the prospect of a cup final in December um, if it's the case that we are successful on Saturday then I think it's likely we'll be reconvening for a, a quick podcast immediately after that if not it may well be uh, leaving it until the following weekend after our matches uh, the away game at Pauk and the, the league match against Celtic so a, a wrap up just before we go back into the, the final international break of the year so on that I will thank our uh, co-hosts Richard thank you thanks Martin and Martin cheers not another international break for fuck's sake <sighs> given that we've qualified already I don't know why we're even bothering with this one but um, anyway that's that's none of our business. Uh, we are entirely focused on how the dawns go from here on in, uh, and we will leave you as we always will. Come on, you Reds!